Yeah, because when you have a job, it's security. So you think, yo, as long as I pay my rent, I'm good. Anything after that is, is, is icing on the cake. So, but when you don't have these people writing your check every two weeks, the hustle becomes different. You know, you got, you in survival mode. Like, yo, you know, unemployment don't want to give me shit. My car no do. Like, I owe rent over here. I owe rent over here. Like, I got a fucking two-year-old son. Like, what am I supposed to do? Welcome to Take Action Entrepreneurs Podcast, where entrepreneurs took action and got to the top of their industry. And on this podcast, we're going to share with you exactly how they did it. So today we have a special guest. We got Antoine Campbell, aka the REI Giver. Someone know him on Nothing But Nuggets podcast. Very special guest. He is a serial entrepreneur. He owns multiple businesses and all his businesses are run virtually. Yeah, you uh, you can go ahead and introduce yourself um, and let them know what you do. What's up with it, man? I'm Antoine Campbell. They call me the I.I. Giver, man, from Washington, D.C. You know, I run multiple businesses virtually. I'm literally the only employee here in the United States. Everybody else is offshore. That's amazing, man. And the first time he explained that to us, we were like, what? I mean, virtual assistance for everything. When I, when, when I say everything... He's, his kids are homeschooled by a virtual assistant. I mean, he'll go ahead and go in detail with that later on in the podcast. Yeah. But, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you started. Your different businesses and everything that you're doing right now. Yes. Yeah. So, I, you know, we spoke with him. We're good friends with him. And he's told us that this is not his first business that he's ran. He's also had other businesses. So I consider him something like a serial entrepreneur. I'll let him explain. Yeah, so, you know, my name is Antoine. I'm from the Washington, D.C. area, uh, born and raised. Moved to uh, Maryland, you know, probably about 12, 13 years old, but always stayed, you know, in D.C., you know, even with my family and my aunts. And um, growing up, man, I always had a thing for entrepreneurship. I'm a third-generation entrepreneur. My granddaddy was an entrepreneur. My daddy an entrepreneur, and I'm an entrepreneur. And uh, I used to work on the weekends with my granddaddy, man, and, uh, you know, watching him make money, watching him making like, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars for two hours worth of work. I realized that, man, that's the way to do business. And um, a job can give you two, three thousand dollars right. for two hours of time. So as I got older, man, um, I went to Crossland High School, graduated 2007. Uh, I always kept the pulse on, you know, working for myself. You know, I, I stayed with a job. I stayed with the hustle. Like, I could have went to the to the football team. I could have did all of that stuff, but I chose to work because I felt like working was a, a, a very essential part of me. You know, my mom and dad ain't really they, – they, they took care of me, but they didn't really provide me with a life where, you know, I could go to prom and I'd be the guy pull up in the limousine and all that. So I had to kind of take care of all that stuff on my own by working at McDonald's and delivering pizza. And then um, 2007, I graduated. And 2008 is this place called National Harbor. They just got finished building it, and they was about to open it. And um, I got my first, you know, job there, man. I would go from making seven dollars and twenty-five cents an hour to making twelve dollars and forty cents an hour just to wash dishes. And to me, that was life changing, coming straight out of high school. Wow. Okay. And then, when did you slowly start to transition into the entrepreneur type of lifestyle? I mean, I always had the entrepreneurial spirit. So, like, I tried to do everything in school. I sold candy. Um, when I first started working at the Gaylord, I had a fundraiser business. I tried to get that off the ground. I didn't really uh, move forward with it because the guy I was working with, he seemed like a snake. 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I yeah. said, you know what? Instead of getting in bed with a guy that I know is going to end up bad, let's just not do that at all. So then I started to focus on, um, you know, what I wanted for my career, which was real estate. I thought I was going to just be a real estate agent, but at the time, 2008, 2009, the market crashed. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to put the real estate thing on pause and just focus here at the, the Gaylord because I actually love that place. It was a really great place to work at. What, so you were working at the hotel. What was your first business? My first business, you know, early on in my childhood, I sold candy. I washed cars. I had a, a detailing business. I used to make like 200 a day just washing, you know, cars, neighborhood doughboy cars. And that was my first business. But my first business um, outside of that, like a legitimate business, people came and paid me money. I created a tag and title. Um, we opened up a few offices, me and my wife. And that was really well. It, it went really well. Okay. Yeah, so, so how did you get the money to uh, start that company? So um, I looked at everything that you can start. Um, and, you know, we looked at like 7-Eleven, Subways, like all the stupid shit everybody look at. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, yo, my dad used to sell tags out the back of his trunk and he used to kill them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, you know, that's one thing that people need no matter what. They need right. fucking tags. Like, right. the police get behind you, your tags ain't right, that's it. You're done. Yeah. So I said, yo, I can maybe start a tag and title. So I, look, I looked into it and I said, yo, the only thing I need is my license from the DMV. And I just need a place to, you know, to do the business at. So I looked into office rents, like 700 months, 600 months. So I looked at my wife and said, yo, we getting our taxes back. We usually get about 10000 back. I don't know about you guys. Like, every time we got our taxes and my family got their taxes, we maybe bought a brand new couch, uh, went out to eat, you know. Mm-hmm, right. Pissed the money away. By, by April, we broke. So I told my wife, yo, give me that $10,000. We're going to do a business. And she's like, what? Hell no. We not, I'm not giving you $10,000. And I explained to her, like, yo, if we pull this off, we could be making $23,000 a month. That's what mm-hmm. my little calculation was. Uh-huh. And um, so she ended up giving me the bread. Um, we went on and started our tagging title. And, like, six months, it was a struggle, bro. Like, we got uh-huh. kicked in the teeth. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I had to take some of my bread from working at the hotel to uh, kind of pay the rent over at the office just so we can keep it. I started getting behind on my personal rent and my bills and shit because I mm-hmm. believed in it. And then for some reason, bro, like, uh, I went. I never told nobody the story, but I fuck with you. I'm going to tell you the whole story. I I was going to pick my mother up because I got my mother a job. Everybody, let me wind it back. Everybody at the hotel um, in my family, I called my whole family like, yo, these dudes giving out fucking jobs like high case. You want a job, just say, you know, this is what you say, and they give you a job. So I got my cousin a job, my my other cousin a job, my aunt a job, my sister a job, my mother a job. And, like, literally, I had to go pick her up because her license wasn't right. So one day they switched my schedule around, and I had to get her to work on time, and then I end up going through the back door clocking in on another time clock. Well, they caught me, the little white manager caught me and woke me up. Mm. Long story short, I ended up getting fired from, from my hotel job just to help my mother uh, get to work on time. Mm-hmm. And I never, like, I'm not the type of person, I'm not going to throw nobody on the bus. I'm not going to make it seem like, you know, it's everybody's fault but mine. And I say, yo, that's a sign from God that, you know, I just got this brand new charger, the Note 515 a month, um, <clears throat> and, and they decided to let me go. Went to go apply for unemployment. They told me no. And I knew right then and there that, hey, man, I got to work. Yeah. But luckily, we had that business for six months and it was struggling. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go deliver pieces at night, and then I'm going to work this business. And literally three months of working that business from getting fired, man, that's when life started to change for us. We started to make great money. Things started to turn around. 
and, and and I knew right then there that everything in life happens for a reason. That's why I don't question anything. Right, right. Now I, I've read a book. Um, it was by uh, what is that guy? The the, uh, the power of being broke. Mm. All right. Do you think the fact that you were running out of money that kind of pushed you into doing better at that at that business, putting more, more effort into that business? Yeah, because when you have a job, it's security. So you think, right. yo, as long as I pay my rent, I'm good. Anything after that is, is is icing on the cake. Right. So, but when you don't have these people writing you a check every two weeks, the hustle becomes different. Right. You know, you got you in survival mode. Like, yo, you know, unemployment don't want to give me shit. My car no do. Like, I owe rent over here. I owe rent over here. Like, I got a fucking two-year-old son. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, you have no other choice. Yeah. You know, so but to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, so so you got into the tag and title business. All right, you you've been an entrepreneur at heart. Your family used to, you know, do entrepreneur things. But what pushed you into going into real estate slowly and then how did you begin? Like what's what's your struggle story in the beginning as far as real estate? So, I always loved real estate, bro. Like, you know, like like I told you my granddad, we used to go fix up houses uptown like this was before the market was even what it is today, like DC you know, we was up Georgetown, gutting houses, putting them back together, putting foundations down, putting driveways in, uh, tearing off roofs, putting in windows, shit like that. And um, when I seen that the, we did two hours worth of work and the guy wrote my granddaddy a $5,000 check mm-hmm. just to kind of like, I guess, tear off a roof and do some demolition work. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, yo, granddad, if he wouldn't write you $5,000 for two hours, what the fuck <laughs> are you making? Because I was a young kid. Like, I was oh, the type of kid that I could cuss him on my granddad. He's an old school dude. He don't care. I said, man, what the fuck are you really making, man? We should kind of try to do this, granddaddy. And uh, unfortunately, my granddad, God rest his soul, he's been dead for almost two years. He has, uh, he, he grew up in the South, and he left school at the uh, second grade to go work on the field to help the family. So he's not really that type of guy that can kind of, like, go in there and set up a sophisticated operation. So he was more of a manual labor type of guy. And um, literally, uh, I fell in love with real estate then. We used to go after we leave the house, and we come back six months later to do the last little bit of cleanup, and I see porcelain tiles on the floor. Um, you know, the tub, like, it's not attached to nothing. It's just standing still by itself with the tile behind it. I say, man, this shit is tight. And then, you know. So, so you like seeing the, the beginning yeah. and then the result. Yeah. So it's kind of like Moses. Mm-hmm. Moses, you know, he tells me all the time. I like dude, seeing things be built from nothing to something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's why I love entrepreneurship because you can just, out of just a thought, you know, you write it down, you write a plan down, you build something, and when you start seeing, you know, the results, it's like the right. best feeling ever, you know? Right, like you just take action. It's all about that. Yeah, so so I, I just I just knew in my heart that, hey, yo, the real estate shit is the way out. Then I looked at every successful person, they had their hands tied in some type of real estate, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was owning something, apartment buildings like big houses whatever it was tied to real estate and i was younger you know when i was in high school i used to watch the infomercials and this was at night or in the morning they just be jogging on the beach with their six pack like yo real estate changed my life i'm like yeah i want to live that life wow. and um that that's what really got me into wanting to do real estate so when i first came into the real estate game like and fast forward you know we we in our tag and title business we two three years into it and I realized I wasn't happy. I'm making great money. Yeah. You know, we doing what we want to do. We vacation. We have cars. Like, everything is going according to plan. And I wasn't fulfilled or happy. Like, I still felt like it was a job. And, and I told my wife, like, yo, I don't want to do this no more. 
So it wasn't was it not a business you can scale? I think it was a business I can scale, but it's a lot of great stuff to come with running a tagging title. Mm-hmm. And I just felt I just didn't want to deal with the politics because you got to understand, even though you your own boss, you working for the DMV, so it's it's a license you hold, mm-hmm. so you still at the mercy of somebody. And at any given time, they, if they don't want to rock with you, they can take it from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just felt like, yo, I seen my past flash again that, yo, if they take this from me, then what's next? Yeah. Right, right. I completely understand. They really had you in in real, like yeah. it really just snatch it away from you at any time. Yeah. yeah. So what was next after after you were like, you know, I don't I don't want to do this no more. What was your what was going through your mind? What what did you do next? Man, I, I just knew that I wanted to fix and flip houses. Like mm-hmm. like I got into real estate fixing and flipping houses. Like I didn't I never wanted to be a wholesaler. I never like that wasn't my thing. I just wanted to take a house, put it back together the same way me and my granddad used to do for the developers of town when I was younger. And um, I got my first deal, man, and we we bought a house uptown. You know, we made a little $45,000 on it. It wasn't nothing to brag about, but the fact that we was young, um, we took out a $400,000 loan, hard money loan, and we was able to pay them back and did it successfully. It it, it showed me that I can do anything I put my mind to. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. So real estate, I, it branches out to different sections, right? Mm-hmm. We got real estate agents. We got... Uh, wholesalers, we have fix and flippers. Um, give me some other ones, Moses. Buy and hold, investors. Buy and hold, uh, commercial. All right, but you said you started off as a fix and flipper. Mm-hmm. But now a lot of people, especially me and Moses, we know you as the REI giver, okay? And we met at a wholesaling, well, it was actually a real estate event, but you were teaching about wholesaling, right? Right. So how did that happen? So you go from fix and flipping to wholesaling, and that's what a lot of people know you for, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so what happened was, as I was trying to get more deals, I realized that uh, that wasn't a consistent thing. Like to try to go on the MLS and buy a deal, or to try to buy deals from other wholesalers because I was used to hang at the Riz. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized that yo, know, like these people don't know what the hell they doing. So mm-hmm. I started going YouTube to Google, you know, how to get deals, how to get consistent deals, and they start talking about wholesaling. And then next thing you know, I had a friend named John Meyer call me up like, yo, uh, I know you're trying to do your, the wholesaling thing. You're trying to get leads and stuff. Man, I, I got this girl. She she got VAs from the Philippines for $3 an hour. I said, excuse me, $3 an hour? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so then I go to YouTube and say, VAs. You know? And then yeah. next thing you know, all of this stuff pop up. I'm like, what the hell? They were, Why wasn't they teaching us this at the rear? They were, they were hitting my car 150 a month or whatever the case was. I'm like, I never heard of cold calling. You know what I'm saying? I never heard of, like, none of this stuff. Only thing they told us was, that, yo, go on the MLS and make an offer. Mm-hmm. And I just felt played. I wasted, like, almost a year and a half of my life running with people at these rears and stuff that don't know shit. Like, they just teaching outdated information. Mm-hmm. And that was the issue. They were teaching and what year was this? Information. Man, this had to be, like, tw- late 2016, 2017. Okay. And, and I just wanted to explain to uh, – maybe you can explain it, um, Antoine. What is a virtual assistant for those that are watching us for the first time and kind of don't know what wholesaling is, and uh, maybe you can explain how it be- they benefit you? Well, a virtual assistant is pretty much an employee that's not like in your office that works remotely, if that's the main definition. But the idea of the virtual assistants we know is a, a, a VA primarily in an Asian company, a country 
or um, a Spanish country um, that works for maybe between two to five hours an hour. They usually do bulk of the lead generation for you, cold call and texting and things of that sort. Hey, so I know you're enjoying this amazing podcast, but before we continue, I just want to give a huge shout out to PropStream. If you are an agent, investor, and or wholesaler, you need to check out PropStream. For only $97 a month, PropStream allows you to run comps anywhere in the United States, and you can pull over 10,000 leads every single month. And not only that, but you can go ahead and look at the property history of any property. So with that being said, click my affiliate link below for a seven day free trial today. And don't forget, take action. And I'm gonna give everyone a good example. Like, man, uh, let's say you just call your, I don't know, give me, give me a hotline, Pay, PayPal hotline. You call them and then the person that answer, it ha doesn't have an American accent. And so you, you go ahead and say, hey, uh, I need assistance with this and that. These big companies aren't using actual people here in the United States. Right. No, they have call-calling call centers where they right. go ahead and uh, they pick up phone calls. They uh, call people I mean, you for could, you. You could have you could a have virtual system to do literally anything, anything yeah. you know? Yeah. So Antoine actually created and he owns a business where he can provide, you know, virtual assistance for you. So for the people watching, yeah. uh, we'll go ahead and have, you know, the link below where you can find your virtual assistants. Um, he'll find you the best virtual assistants. But tell us a little bit more about how you started that business, why you started that business and how it can help others. That that see the the funny thing is like I don't do much a lot of things intentional, right? It was mm -hmm. a need. And what happened was I went on a podcast and I'm just talking just like this mm -hmm. and I'm letting him know like he like yo tell me about your business. I'm like, yeah, I got all these VAs and we doing this and he's like, So okay, so who's who's here working with you in America? I'm like, What? Nobody. Like <laughs> he like, What you mean nobody? I'm like, bro, I'm like everybody's in the Philippines. And I was telling him all the different systems and what we was doing, breaking it down. Every question he asked, I gave him the the honest answer. And by the time I got off that podcast, I looked at my phone. It was just, just going crazy. Like, yo, I need a VA. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, I don't do VAs, man. I'm trying to do my real estate. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> after the, probably like the three, 400 DM, man, I got from people, man, I said, you know what? I think I need to do something about this. Because when you actually look into the situation, before I came about, it was two ways to do this no, shit. Nobody else was doing it when you... Fuck no. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, nobody. Like, it was two ways to legitimately do this. Like, you even go to, like, Upwork Fiverr or someplace like that, and you get to a VA, and hopefully they don't rob you. Or, you know, then you got to train them, and it's just, it's just a logistical nightmare. Or you pay a call center that's going to go get the same Upwork Fiverr VAs, and they do a little sprinkle of training, and they charge you between 10 and $12 an hour. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't no in-between. So when I was looking at the model, I said, yo, how can I provide value to people? So we said, you know what? Um, we created a course to teach people how to go get their VAs and train them and do all that and create a, a culture. That was great. But the people, the feedback was still like, yo, I don't know how the VA still or Can you just do it for me? So one day I said, you know what? People keep asking me. I'm going to just throw a number out there just so they can get out of my face. Man, give me 500. I got you. I look at my phone. Three minutes later, ding, 500. I'm like, what the? F like, man, this is crazy. So long story short, I put one of my VAs off and said, yo, go find me some VAs, man, and go train them up for me for this one customer. Next thing you know, maybe a month later, it's literally a whole business. Like, we got, like, 
20, 30 customers a week paying us money to get mm-hmm. the VAs. I'm like, hold on, yeah. let's structure this. So then I had to go get a website. And, and next thing you know, like, man, we plugging everybody in with the VAs. And people who could never afford a VA or who never can afford a quality VA at the rate we was giving the people yeah. start to do deals. And they closing $10,000 deals, $20,000 deals. And what made it so great was I never even publicly talked about it. Like, yeah. outside my circle, and you know, when I was doing my events and stuff like that, I never talked about my VA business. And, and this goes back to what you were saying. Everything happens for a reason. Like, yeah. You didn't choose that business. That business chose yeah. you. In, yeah. You know? In all reality. And w- when we first heard about it, I think we were at uh, the second or third meetup. And he was just talking about, hey, man, we ha- I, I, everything I do is virtual. And for those that do wholesaling, do you understand how mind-exploding this is? Like, dude, you could have an acquisitions person as a VA. You can have dispositions as a VA. Yeah. You could have everybody virtually. So if this, if this, you know, this is an office, this is, this is all you, this is all you, you got maybe 20, 30 people working behind you, but nobody really here in the United States, everything virtually. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, like the, the, the kind of breaking down guys, like the way people like, yo, why you went virtual? Because I realized like, as long as you have a working computer and a telephone, and you got the right people, you can kind of, like, outsource that out. So that was my thing. Like, when I looked at the other guys, like, my last business, I ran real lean. I made a lot of money, and I didn't have a lot of overhead. So then this business, I start to see people, like, you know, come and go. They close up shop. You know, the overhead too high. They struggle financially. They had a bad month. And I'm like, man, I think the VAs is a way out for me to kind of make great money without – um, happened to put up all this money, like I can legitimately go get a COO. I can legitimately go get a transaction coordinator and don't have to break the bank. Mm-hmm. So that that was the main reason why I did it. I wasn't doing it to, to brag about it. I did it because I was trying to legitimately grow a business. Okay. And we and we did mention you were a serial entrepreneur. So VA business is one, wholesaling is second. What other businesses can you tell us about? I own a skip tracing company, Easy Skip Tracing. Um, that business is a complementary business. So a lot of these, what we call entrepreneurship, is bought on business. Like you bought them on to your existing business, and they complement the existing business. So, you know, we have the um, skip tracing business. We have the CRM business. Obviously, you guys are a customer of that. Um, you know, so we have all these different supporting products to support the people that come in and want to do business with us because at the end of the day, we want to make sure they're successful. Mm-hmm. That's where the REI giver name comes from. Like anything for real estate, you go to this guy. I mean, he has an answer for it. Right. So, so having a a virtual team, what is some you know pros and cons about that? Man, you know everything in life is a double edged sword, bro. So right. like, the the good stuff about it is, um, you able to scale really quickly. Your payroll isn't as high. It's still high, but it's not like if I would have had to translate that to American salary, I'd probably be paying about seventy thousand a month out. But I'm probably paying, you know, a third of that because of the VA salaries. So, um, and then you you are able to kind of like work from home or work anywhere you want because everybody's virtual. It's not like you have to show up at the office to pump people up. As long as you got internet connection, you can make your meetings. So that's the good thing. The bad thing is um, the logistics of the locations, like. Hiring a VA and don't realize that they live in a location where internet is not that great. Or, um, you know, nobody told me about typhoon season. So you get VAs that go through terrible weather, and next thing you know, they're not available for a day mm-hmm. or two. And that messes up the rotation. It slows you know, down your business. It, it, slows like, it slows it down a whole lot. So 
just just coming up with a game plan for that, understanding how to schedule people and, and, and bringing on enough people that if, if two or three people are not available, it doesn't bring the operation to those needs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that's the, the cons of it. Like, just because you're leveraging the value of the dollar, you still got to deal with the whole uh, third world country infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the only thing. If you can accept that and you're cool with that, then I say get the VAs. But if you're a type of person, you're running an important business, like some type of medical business or some type of business where people lives on it, that, that depends on this stuff, like a 911 dispatch service or something crazy like that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that route. Okay. And do you have anybody else that backs you up in the background, uh, in the background, somebody that's like, hey, Antoine, keep going? Or is it all? Yeah, man. So- I got I got a good support system, man. Shout out to okay. my wife, LaShawn. She's, She's really like shout out to LaShawn. Yeah, she's really you know the type of person. She can be anything I want her to be for me. Yeah, she could be my cheerleader. She could be my coach. She could be my mom. She could be you know the disciplinary. Whatever I need to keep me in shape, she's that person, and she does a really good job at it. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people talk about just entrepreneurship by itself, but I mean, it's also about who's literally on your side every single day. And for Antoine, like he mentioned, it's his wife, LaShawn. Again, shout out to her. We know her personally. She's awesome. And tell us about what type of um, backup she, she has for you. And how did you choose her as far as when you were coming up as an entrepreneur? Well, we met in 2010. So um, right before I really started to focus on the entrepreneurship, and I knew right then and there she was a lawyer person because I, I was trying to, you know, date her while she was talking to somebody else. And she was like, yo, I'm talking to somebody else. I can't do that. And that made me respect her because at least I know that if it came down to me and her, she'll never cross me because she showed that guy loyalty, even though he's a slum. But wow. that, that's none of my business. We, we don't got to get personal. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. But that's none of my business. But I just felt like. You know, we created a bond, and we were friends, man. We we became great friends, and then we fell in love, and then we got married. We had a child, um, and we've been rocking with each other ever since. You know, there's, there's only been a few times where we haven't been in each other's presence. Um, she went to Vegas when I went to the county motel a few times. And, um, <laughs> but other than that, there haven't been a day I haven't seen my wife. So That's amazing. All right. So um, some habits, man, some habits that changed your life. Can you tell us anything that you changed and you feel like that's helped you grow into the person you are now? Wow, that's a tough question. Habits. <laughs> um I don't I never really had like habits, bad habits. Like the only bad habit I had was uh it's not even a habit. I say just being cocky. Like the ego thing. Like when you first get your first taste of money, man, whoever out there watching, you're gonna have this cocky streak on you. And that's okay. But you got to have somebody around you to, to help you keep it under control. It's like, you seen the movie Blade? You know, the vampire guy? You never seen that movie? No, I never seen I it. I watched it. I, I, it was a while ago. It's like, yeah. okay, well, he's a vampire. He's half vampire, half human. And um, he has to take this serum in order to not crave for blood. And, like, that's the same thing with the cocky thing, man. If you crave for too much of it, it can kind of destroy you. It can close doors on you. People don't want to do business with you. Um, and I just learned how to be humble and mind my business. Mm-hmm. So once I start really minding my business and worry about me and what I got going on and stop comparing myself to people, that's when my life started to really take off. Wow. Yeah, humble. I live by that. <laughs> Staying humble and uh, 
making sure you stay humble on, on social media. What else can you tell us about real estate, any other businesses that you feel like you're going to start going out there after? Man, we got a lot working on, man. We launching our own academy, virtual academy. It's literally launching next week. It's basically designed for uh, entrepreneurs and people that's on the, on the go that want to take the... Uh, you know, in control of their children's education that that wants to, you know, right now, we don't know what's going on with COVID. We don't know where we're going to be at with this in the next 12 months. So, you know, taking your school, your children back to school, I don't think is a smart idea, you know. So if you can afford it and you can kind of control a narrative, I would definitely, you know, hire a teacher. So we figure out a way to use the VAs. Once again, from the Philippines, there's a ton of educated VAs that's looking for work. That, that would work for, you know, less than $5 an hour. And we, we pair the, the teachers with the children, and they and they would be uh, one-on-one working with them where your child would get that one-on-one education. And my, my children have been doing that, and, it, and it's been the best thing possible, especially if you got children that may have some, you know, some issues. You know, being able to sit down, they have attention disorder. Like, uh, you know, a lot of parents, the, the schools love to try to put your children in what we call a yellow folder. And then this yellow folder basically makes it seem like there's all these issues wrong with your child. And you don't want your child to go up to a point where, you know, society is, is labeling them. And they feel like they're not able to be, you know, and do things they want to do because they feel like they're limited based on what the labels that the schools put on them. So I do think we at a point in time where we need to start taking over our children's education ASAP. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing, man. Um, I have a question for you. What What is three things that you can't live without as an entrepreneur? My phone, um, social media, um, and uh, my VAs. <laughs> That's interesting that you said uh, social media. What do you, Why do you think social media is very important? Because a lot of people, when they're entrepreneurs, they start to delete certain things. Yeah. They say it's a I distraction. Think, I think, I think social media, if done right, social media, you can you can, you can, can really, you know. Use it as leverage. Leverage. Like, yeah. social media, like, is one of the biggest assets that everybody has, and it's for free. Yeah. And what's crazy is I've, I've made a lot of money with people that I've never met. I yeah. met them through social media, Facebook, Instagram, yeah. doing deals Absolutely together. Right. And like a lot of people, I feel like I, I added a lot of people from school, right? So I only have people that are gonna, you know, make me money or benefit me in any way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I feel like people get on social media and they're using it the wrong way. Think about this: like, if Mark Zuckerberg would never create Facebook, a lot of people wouldn't be millionaires mm-hmm. because of the Facebook groups and the influence they can use on social media. That wouldn't be an alley or a pathway for you to do that. So that's why I respect social media. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it got its pros and cons, but anything in life has its pros and cons. But with social media, you can reach the world. Like, I can, just like how I'm talking to the VAs, I mm-hmm. can literally go into a Facebook group and say, hey, listen, I'm looking for, you know, a, a website developer. Mm-hmm. And then five, ten minutes, my inbox is full of applications because right. of social media. Right, so, right, right. That's why I say, yo, I, you know, people, Powerful. people talk shit about social media, but secretly, deep down inside, if you took social media away, their life would be changed overnight in yeah. the worst way possible. I mean, a lot of people have became millionaires yeah. off of social media. Off of social media, yeah. and, you know, and and I know for a fact that a lot of people, if they didn't have the social media part in their business, they would not be where they at financially. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Antoine, how do you feel that? 
you being an entrepreneur and owner of multiple businesses has impacted your social life? I mean, it keeps me disciplined because at the end of the day, it's not about me no more, right? Mm -hmm. You have all these employees and all these people that depend on me to wake up every day and show up. So I got to stay disciplined. I got to watch the way I move because if I get in trouble, if I go, you know, got to go sit down for 10 years because I did something stupid, that not only affect me and my immediate family, that affect everybody that work around me. Mm-hmm. So I just think that when you're in a position where people fall on you, you got to make sure that you think about every decision you make. Yeah. No matter yeah. how micro it could be. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100%. So uh, for the wholesalers out there, I know um, Antoine is known for giving out REI answers. What can you tell us about getting your first wholesale deal? Give give the people watching before we end this, you know, some some REI, some, some juicy, golden nuggets. Juicy details. I mean, like right now, like when I first got into this game, it wasn't as hard because the influence on this game wasn't as big. Like you know, you had your few people that was, you know, your Sean Terry's and everything, but it's like three thousand motherfuckers now trying to give you information. So think about all of that compounding, people marketing, texting, and all of that stuff. Obviously, and, it's going and, to it's And they're going really messing up the game, too. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You, so, you, I, I get in contact with some people when I get on the phones, and they're like, yeah, someone just called me. Yeah. They offered me this amount. Yeah. I'm, don't call me back. I'm pissed off. So, like, come on, man. So, so if, I, if I had to start all over again, man, I would niche down, man. I'd find an angle that most people don't want to do because it's even too much work or they just don't understand it, and then I would go from there, and I would literally just build my business strictly on relationships. Like, you know what I'm saying, JVs, reaching out to realtors, mm-hmm. reaching out to uh, title companies that got burned by wholesalers that could come perform, reaching out to hard money lenders that may have uh, uh, investors that haven't paid in a few months and they don't want to do a foreclosure, but, you know, they give you the information, say, hey, yeah, go call him. He, he might need your help. So, like, I will become that person, that, that plug. Like, I will be that person that's connecting everybody to everybody and getting paid for it. Amazing, man. Those are good good nuggets right there. I think, uh, Antoine, you've been a really good guest, man. He's a re- you're a really good guy. You are that person that when you have some real estate questions, you can come to him. Um, that's all I got to say about it. So nothing but good things. Just make sure you lead by value. Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Man, You and people, are, and people understand and, and realize that your attention. So if you claim you're leading by value and it's watered down, you're not going to get the same traction as the person that's leading by value and they genuinely believe that shit and they actually practice what they're doing. Right. So I just think uh, be attentional. Be more intentional. That's something that my wife was telling me a week ago. Like, yo, you just got to be more intentional. Not like real estate. She was just saying in my personal life. So I just mm-hmm. feel like once you start to be more intentional and show everybody that you know your attention is good, <clears throat> that's when people open up to you and want to do business with you. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. All right, Antoine, thank you so much for being here, man. Thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you guys for having out. me. Maybe some top golf or something. Man, let's, <laughs> let's, let's go top golf, man. You know, you know, I'm good at the golf, man. Whatever y'all want to do. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank All you. All right, guys. Thank you for watching. All right, remember the most important part keep <laughs> taking action. Keep oh, taking man. action. This, this is our um, second podcast, so he's not familiar with it. But everyone that's watching, keep taking action. Uh, don't stop. Just keep going, man. Even if you keep getting stomped on, dude, just take action. Take action. It's all about that. All right, guys. See you on the next one. All right.